Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Lift Effect podcast. I am your host, Matt McNeil, founder, clinical director, and director of human performance at Lift Effect, where we assist professional pilots with maintaining better mental health and optimizing their mental skills. The goal of this podcast is simple to help pilots and other high liability professionals and disciplines come out of the shadows to discover how we can live better lives personally and professionally. Join us each episode as we discuss various topics ranging from mental health, mental skills and performance, to business, entrepreneurship, and a few other surprises along the way. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Lift Effect Podcast. This is your host, Carl Keller, and I'm along with man of the moment, Matt McNeil, who never, ever uh, stumbles over words. That's your cue, buddy. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't stumble over words. I just stumble over life. <laughs> you know, and you know, and I love living with uh, my other great uh, affliction in life, dyslexia, where seven out of every five people are wrong. <laughs> that's awesome i have not heard that one i have not heard that one that's good thank god i that's don't good. transpose things that would be seven out of five people and it was actually i i will tell you uh that was actually a that's always been a challenge my whole life flying my whole life because i would trans i had to be really careful transposing frequency numbers and stuff like that it was always yeah that was just a challenge that i had that was one of my thing and i knew it and i was very aware of it so i would I would focus on it, but it, it was very easy for me to flip, you know, 134.3 yeah. to 143.3 yeah. or something like that. I always wrote the frequencies down, which everybody laughed at me for that. But because so what I I'm sort of a pattern guy, I I have I'm not that bright, um, but I've been able to figure out patterns to things. And that's how I've been able to move through most of what I've been able to do in my life was just pattern recognition. And I would always write, you know, you're flying the same route many times over and over and i would write the route and then i would write the frequencies down and over time you realize it's the same frequencies and you can you know you can kind of memorize pretty quickly what the next frequency is is gonna is gonna be um but and it also good insurance you know good insurance just to make sure you don't screw it up so i'd always just it was another way just to sort of stay engaged with what's going on not not be you know staring out the window reading the usa today for too long and I tell um, you, the controllers overseas, especially in um, China and mm, Russia, mm -hmm. very, very much so pattern based. I mean, boy, if you want to throw them a loop, just ask for something outside of just the, you know, <laughs> the normal routing. Oh my God, they would just, you know, it would vapor lock. They would just yeah. freeze. They would they, they would actually give you what they thought you asked for, which is what you normally ask for. It's like they didn't even hear you because they didn't know how to respond. Yeah, so, yeah. it's like out of yeah. out of sequence. Or in Mexico, yep. you know they. They don't care. Like they, they clear you for the approach, like 300 miles away. You know, you're like, just clear for the approach. You're like, dude, we're like two hours away, man. And there's thunderstorms between us and there. And they're not going to tell you about the thunderstorms. You're kind of, you better get your radar up because it's just sort of on your own. Oh. I have times have changed. I remember one time I was getting ready for pushback and it was Des Moines. We got cleared for the push, start engines, taxi and take off. And he said he goes have a good night. Yeah, right. It's like wow, boy, I wish this happened more often. <laughs> yeah, or you, you know, you're going into somewhere like you know Oshkosh, 
you know, at two in the morning and the controller, he clicks on and you can hear the movie Star Wars in the background. <laughs> yeah. You, you even knew what scene it was. Yeah. <laughs> they're totally watching Star Wars, you know, because it's two in the morning. There's nobody out there. And they're like, you know, except you know, us. Cleared, cleared for a contact approach. You're like, nah, we don't do contact approaches. Just maybe we'll just wait till we get a little closer and you can clear us for an approach. Anyways, okay. Uh, what right. are we doing, uh, man? What are we talking well, about? We're going to do what we seem to do so often, which is go off the any potential pair, prepared script we have. We got a question that was actually, um, it was two questions in one, and it was, uh, or not two in one, but two different questions that mm -hmm. I already know one of them you could like, you, uh, you'll you be able to go down a rabbit hole. And it's going to be how deep do I let you go before I pull you back? Okay. But um, let me read it. The first part is uh, actually some, some uh, kudos to you. It says, um, Thanks for putting out the Lift Effect podcast every each and every week. Although I'm an airline pilot, I have several close friends that work outside of aviation that listened to it as well, because most of what you talk about can apply to most people. My 15-year-old son also loves the podcast. Uh oh, I better stop swearing. Well, no, he's 15. He's swearing like a he's swearing like a sailor. Anyway. Oh my God. All right. Here's the two questions. The first one uh, is, and he says it's just more of curiosity. I read on another website that you are an executive coach. What does the executive coaching you do look like? Mechanics, structure, involvement, et cetera. And then I'll ask the second one. We'll get back to it. The second is, has to do with keeping calm in the face of mental agitation. Do you have any techniques that keep yourself from flying off the handle with temper and agitation? I assist coach my son's baseball team. Many of the kids are hard on themselves when they make a mistake and end up losing their cool. So hmm. back to the first one. Okay. Yes, you do do executive coaching. Mm -hmm. So tell us all about it. Tell us all about it. Yes. Um, your wisdom. <laughs> so a lot of executives in aviation, a uh, lot of executives out of aviation. I mean, I kind of have just from my own past experience have specialized a little bit with executive coaching. I do health, healthcare executives, um, obviously specific, you know, mental health related big time. Um, and then aviation related just within that industry, but you know, some others, some you know, uh, restaurant uh, executives that own a bunch of restaurants and other stuff. So it helps to have specialized knowledge in that area that helps, but it's not, not actually required. Sometimes it, it, you can get help, get into the weeds with things. Um, and often when I'm an executive coach, I actually sit on the, the, uh, some kind of advisory board, whether it's their actual board or the advisory board of the company, um, they'll put me on there because I'm strategically advising the CEO or the COO, sometimes the CMO. CEO is chief executive officer, COO is the, the chief operating officer, and the CMO is the marketing officer. Um, and the CTO or is the tech officer. So it just there's it depends on how the organization is structured, but these are C-level executives, and the reason they're getting coaching is because coaching is for winners. It's not for losers. Um, you, it helps you be able to, you know, you, I always tell people you can't smell your own breath, and that's what a, a coach does. It doesn't mean I know more uh, than the executive. I certainly don't, but I can see things from a different vantage point that they can't, um, and so that's what it is. But coaching- It's like an instructor pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basic, yeah. An instructor pilot with um, 
You're sitting in yeah. the jump seat and you're watching everything. Yeah. Things, yeah. It's a good analogy. You got a bigger picture. Good analogy. Yeah, for sure. Um, but coaching is, is, um, it's me and my client creating a possible future together. Um, that's based on self and organizational reinvention. And it's, it, I help these executives make the shift, um, for, from managing a big organization to creating a, a, a great group. Uh, for each person that that's free to discover basically their own greatness, helping them discover what they're capable of. And every engagement is a little is a little bit different, but depending on what they're hiring me to do, some are are you know less involved, some are it's very involved. And it can be just from being a strategic uh, thinking partner to full-on like helping them with every aspect of their life. So, when I'm helping them with every aspect of their life, I have to look at their biometrics. I have to look at their financial picture. I have to look at their relationships with other employees, their relationships with their, their families, um, their, how they recreate. It's, it's all, it's, it's totally immersive, totally involved. And it's a lot of work. Didn't I hear you mention previously that the aura ring yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. For those like the or so, how do I do biometrics? Well, I need to be able to monitor where where they're at. So a lot of times they get sent to. I've got one particular executive that goes to the Mayo Clinic. Um, all of the executives go to the Mayo Clinic to get a full workup, um, and then they, you know, all the labs basically put the rubber gloves on. And the reason is because the company wants to know that they're healthy, or if they're not healthy, because if something happens to that person. Um, that there's huge financial implications to the organization. And so th that's why it's a very serious job being an executive. It's a lot of pressure and pilots think they're under the scrutiny. Not e It doesn't even compare to a C-level executive of a, of a Fortune 500 or C-100 company. Um, so we look at, we take all of that at work in conjunction with their medical team, but I'm looking at their biometrics. So what am I looking at? Things that are going to affect their performance, sleep, heart rate variability, how much exercise they're getting, how much rest they're getting. Rest is, is almost more important than activity. Are they being able to, to rest, building rest into their, into their schedule? And you got to understand executives, an executive schedule is 15 minute blocks. That's where they're, I mean, they are that scheduled out to the 15 minute increment. And so I look at some of those things, but, and it, it you know, it just totally depends on the, the engagement, but it's really in a, in a nutshell, cause I there, we could go on down this forever. And if people want to know, we can, we can go more into it, but it's really helping them discover an impossible future. An executive's job, a CEO's job is to be able to see around corners where nobody else can see because they've got to be able to steer the ship. They have to manage, uh, uh, they have to balance the board. Um, they've got a, a board of advisors that are sometimes investors. They have to manage the shareholders. They've got to manage the, their executive team. They got to manage the culture. So it's a huge job. And th really they need to steer the ship into places where nobody else can see. And so the reason that a lot of executives go from company to company, you know, they get fired and they get hired by another company is people think, oh, how did they hire that guy? He bankrupted the last thing and they hired him again. Well, it's because the skill set is so specific. 
and it, and it's so difficult to get that level of experience that they often they're kind of on the a list and they keep getting they keep getting reused because nobody else really can handle all of those responsibilities so their job is to see around corners and my job is to help them strategically uh be able to fulfill that aspect of what they do it's actually in a way kind of like being in the cockpit you have to anticipate those things that are in front of you or how to deal with things that are unexpected i mean yeah. example what happened in 2020 nobody expected that how do you deal with it it's like no. if you have an unexpected medical on the aircraft and looking ahead and going what is what is the weather going to do to me what are, you know all these things you're basically their job isn't to deal with the what's going on at the moment as much as what's going to go on and what's what has yet to happen because what's going on right now you can't it's kind of like the ship's already there in yeah. a way but yeah. uh, there's two things i wanted to be very clear about what you do and um for others out there mm-hmm. one is um and you've said this to me and it leads to the second part is the first is you can't want it more than they do no nope. you're and the and what leads to the second part is is that the fact is it's you're a coach you're not a consultant you don't do the work for them no you yeah totally different. in other words you're not you're not putting together plans and and things you're basically saying here's what you need to do you need to go out and do it now yeah that's right or here's the I, things you need to consider yeah i am not i'm not uh boots on the ground that there are consultants that that they hire to do that that are um imp- basically uh implementers um, the way that a good way to think about it is CEOs are innovators and COOs, those are operating officers, are implementers. I'm an executive coach, so I'm on the on the innovation side, not the implementation side. You did you do need to know things about implementing. Um, and so that's an important thing. And I'll work with their implementation team, whether it is in-house people or it is um uh you know, contractors that they've brought in, uh consultants, if you will. Uh, but but no, I I just I'm a strategic thinking partner with a with a with the executive that I'm I'm there to coach, and it, the engagement is anywhere from uh, a it's a minimum of a year. That's the only way I work with people. Uh, sometimes they'll you know say, "Can you work with an executive for three months?" The answer is no. I've done that in the past, uh, and it, it's not it doesn't lead to good outcome. It, it's Time a year. Time. It's not enough time. It's it's a year, and some of it are three year engagements. I have one particular um, executive that I've I've worked with for nine years, and so it just it just depends. But the reason it's a year is that um, leaders develop in the process of producing extraordinary and int- tangible results for them to be able to develop. You got to have a structure uh, of a program that's in keeping with that, and a year at at a minimum to be able to realize some of these transformational goals it, you can't do it in less than a year especially in a large in a big organization if it's a tiny organization like you know 15 people less than 50 that's a different story much more but, nimble yeah yeah but for the big one it takes a year and and you know for leaders to be able to to bring themselves together and then bring their team together and then to really transform somebody's leadership style or get an extraordinary result um in a you know a, a three-day program is or a month consulting agreement is just it's totally impossible i and i've never seen it work and i've been trained by some of the best executive coaches in the world uh and, and it just takes so my engagements are a minimum of one year oftentimes it's it's a three-year commitment 
And no matter, so, really, no matter how successful a lot of these uh, uh, CEOs that you see out there are, almost all of them have someone that that, that coaches them. Yeah, uh, it just it's the rare. Yeah, that, you, you, really you have is. to. You, you, yeah, there's no hundred percent the good the good ones and that you you have to have a, a coach. We all should have a coach. Pilots, in some respects, should have a coach. And here's how to think about it, even so you can even apply this to your own life. If if you're gonna, you can even coach yourself when you think about your own, like I want to transform myself or I want to just be able to like bring myself up. Make it two years. So first one is phase one. Let's say Q one is formulate. So you want to engage and inquire about what is a, a really good. What are my values? What's a goal? What are the kind of plans that we can formulate? How do I want to lead? What's the challenges? It's it's really is is what is missing from what I'm doing, and then if I can, if I provide this, can make a difference, right? That's how you find that this is the formulation phase. Q two is the concentration phase. So now you want to launch an initiative. What's going to be the kind of the big wow project? A rapid prototype, if you will, and and keep going. You got to keep going in the absence of results because you're not going to. It's going to take a while. And so it's like, okay, let's stop talking. Let's start doing Q3 is now when we're in the momentum phase, which is we're going to create a, a, a widening circle of smaller successes. Q4 is the breakthrough. So we're going to build on success by starting to scale up what, what we've worked on and what's been initiated and what's been executed on. The second year is the entire year is sustainability. So you want to set up the business processes, start to institutionalize the gains. I coach these leaders in, in helping the leaders coach their people in the a sustainability phase of how do we, you know, let's sustain what we're doing. So that's like a quick, you know, two-year engagement. And you can see why that this takes time. It doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. Transformation does not happen overnight. It's it's doing a little bit a lot, not trying to just do a lot a little, which is why I say that all the time. In your experience, what has been the one trait that you kind of see as a common thread in those that you've coached that are successful? And what's the one common trait you've seen in those that you've coached that have struggled or have failed? It's a really hugely insightful question. This is what I see. It's changed throughout the years because what... Sometimes I, I, you know, in the past, I didn't, I didn't know what I was seeing. So I think it's always been there. And as I do more and more of this, I start to go, you know what, this is actually something that I'm seeing as part of the recipe of what, what makes them successful. One, and I'll tell you at the V1 project, that's a, a long, you know, it's like basically like a coaching program as I've taken a lot of the executive coaching and a lot of the mental skills coaching I do and the, you know, with the pilots and I've, we've combined it into V1 and V1 is, you know, we tell everybody that goes into V1, you need to be here at least a year. And I'll tell you, most people that go into it, they'll be there forever. The because it does growth does, should never stop. Either you're living, you're growing or you're dying. That's everything in biology shows the same thing. There's no stagnation. Stagnation is death. And especially when it comes to your own personal development. So I think growth is a continual process. To answer your question, one is creativity. The, the executives that are most successful that I've worked with have a very 
um, structured process of invigorating and cultivating creativity within themselves. Because again, their job is to be able to be creative. Being an executive is absolutely, it's like being an artist at the highest level. Uh, and if you stop being creative and you stop being able to see, you know, the painting, it's like watching Bob Ross. You ever watch Bob Ross? He's amazing, right? Because you're like, he starts something and you're like, he's like, ah, yeah, he sees it before it's even on the canvas. And and you're like, wait, what? I still don't see it. I don't see it. Oh, there's the lake, right? That's what good executives do. They're masters at being able to see things that nobody else sees. And you, it's a it's a particular mindset of creativity. And, you know, Juliet Cameron's The Artist Way is something I've used with executives working that, that 12-week program of creativity. There's a lot of different ways of culti- cultivating creativity, but being able to be absolutely creative and a, a lot of executives spend time doing very creative things um, that you would never suspect. You would be like, what? He's doing that? I'd, because they're they're keeping that spigot open of creativity. That's the first thing. The second thing is their ability to organize their time, which comes down to uh, Pareto's principle. Executives are masters at knowing what is important and knowing what is not important and being able to make a decision very quickly. Uh, flying has absolutely helped cultivate uh, that skill for me uh, is I I understand how to take a lot and any good pilot that's you know that's flown knows how to take a bunch of information very quickly and make a decision and that's what executives have to do they got to be able to move quickly and make decisions third the ones that are not afraid to fail they they are have inoculated themselves to uh, the negative impacts of failure they don't see it as losing they just see it as learning. And then the fourth piece is their ability to rest. It's not just their ability to 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 output; it's their ability to take breaks. And the executives that know that can manage that at a very high level end up having much more endurance and much better decision making process because they they understand how and the importance of being able to rest, uh, even if it's in you know five minutes. You know, they know that I've got one guy that works, he uses a a, a, a timer to, to work for in, in 20 minute increments with two minutes of rest. And he does it all day. And the output of this guy is just insane, insane. It's, it's, it's insane, because, but he really knows how to manage his, his rest. And that's the difference. What separates the, the big dogs from the puppies is not just churn. It's, it's stopping and resting. There's uh, someone we both know, Carl, Carl Bryan, does the same thing. He does it in two-hour increments. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Carl, exactly. That's another perfect example. Well, see, right? yeah, I asked for one. You gave me three bonuses there. How about <laughs> yeah. the thing that you see that in ones that struggle or fail? The ones that struggle or fail do not rest. The ones that struggle or fail do not. Um, they think everything is important. Um, this is very difficult for people in tech. Because a lot of people in tech are, are were programmers and they love to program. They grew up programming, writing code when they were 14 or 15. And then they built these tech companies um, and they want to be in their programming. It's sort of like me saying, I want to be in there and fly. I want to fly, right? Well, I can't perform what I do for pilots 
at the highest level if I'm still trying to keep my foot in what I love passionately so much. So the the ones that want to still hold on to the you know the 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 process of what what they do, they can't continue to they have to have other people do that so that they can focus on the things that are important. And so the ones that don't want to give that up because they're so addicted to whatever that is, uh, end up creating a lot of problems. The ones that do not rest end up burning themselves out. Lack of organization, not being able to make decisions quickly creates a lot of problems because there's so much rapid fire. And then they, they just get, they started just get way behind. So, and some other things too. I mean, every, almost every executive I coach has ADHD, uh, I mean, you know, by far uh, because sure. they're, you know, it's just part of what makes their mind so amazing. Uh, um, so you got to, they know how, they they've learned how to work either. They've learned how to work with it and manage it, or they haven't. Uh, Is but, there a certain personality trait? You know, you hear about some of them that just have like no empathy or the lack of empathy because sometimes make those quick decisions affects hundreds and thousands of people, depending on the size of the yeah. company. And they, because of the health or the law, you know, the, for what's in the best interest of the, of the company, they can't right. take that into account. Right. But that takes a certain kind of personality. Someone that's empathetic would struggle mightily with that. It does. Because you're putting, you know, somebody and their family out of work. Yeah. And look, there's a reason I get hired because I'm also a psychotherapist. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, you know, is, is there like there's psychotherapy infused in everything, in my opinion. And so sometimes yeah, they're, they have a very tough job to do. They have to answer to shareholders and their job is to drive profit, um, period. And anybody that thinks that that's not the job of the executive is fooling themselves. Um, but it's also being able to help them develop some, some, uh, you know, some empathy and to be able to learn how to infuse empathy into their leadership and even to some of their decision-making. That's something that can be cultivated. Um, I personally don't like working with executives that are sociopaths and I have worked with some that are diagnosable sociopaths. I don't usually take those engagements anymore. Um, if you're not a human being and, and if you're just completely crazy, I don't want to collude with that and cultivate. That's not what I stand for. It's not what I believe in. Um, and I don't really work with those people, but they do have to make hard calls because they got to make, you know, they're in charge of a lot of different spinning plates and you can't, you know, you, you 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 can't crash the entire airplane just to try to save one person and end up killing them all. I mean, you know, you have to you have to make hard calls. But I think developing empathy and learning to lead with empathy is something that is a is a cultivate. You can cultivate that skill. You can develop that skill, and it's something that I just believe in, and I and I do. And a lot of the executives they want to work with me because I have the ability to. to to have those kinds of conversations and be real and be a human being. And executives are often not, they're pushed into not being human beings because the expectations are so high, but just like pilots are humans, executives are humans too. Well, I'll probably end this part, this question with this one statement that I think anybody that's in aviation can totally relate to probably one of the best ever that's been able to walk the line between being the CEO, getting buy-in, having a vision was Herb Kelleher from Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. He was able to motivate his people. He was seeing things from a napkin that he drew, uh, uh, you know, on to 
creating a very strong company and airline, but, and and it's and it's struggling now that that vision. It, can I be controversial? Sure, go for it. Um, just from my experience of working with a lot of Southwest, Herb was absolutely a CEO type. Ex to total example, right? I mean, just kind of off the wall and uh, saw things, really made some changes, but there it is biting them in the ass because this go, 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 go um, is not sustainable and it's not healthy. And it's creating a very uh, contentious group. Every pilot, and by the way, Delta, American, United, y'all are contentious in your own ways. I mean, we all, that's just the way it is. I don't think oh, yeah. you're perfect, right? Don't think your poop doesn't smell. Uh, all of our poops smell in the regionals and everything else. But um, that, there was a, look, there it, when there's a lack of evolution, you're going to end up failing. And so the genius was, it, it's only genius for a time. You've got to be able to change and adapt with the environment that you're in, which includes the human factor and where that, that, you know, where that pilot group is at, where their age group is at, where their health is at, all of that stuff matters and driving these guys to, to, to just quick turn over and over and over and over you're piling drive, you're pile driving people into the ground. For so long, they were, it was us against the world. They were the small guy. They went to the peripheral airports. Uh, they didn't have the legacy issues that that the yeah. big airlines did. And all of a sudden, one day they turned around and we were now them type thing. Yeah. They were now yeah. no different than the others and had to deal with all of the issues that the legacy carriers had been dealing with. But during the time frame that Herb was there, that he really worked that to almost perfection to get him to, to really grow that during those first 25 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, genius. I mean, genius. You know, all these, even you know, I don't want to. I don't want to be controversial. Yeah, but like some really of the executives of American, you know, like there's a lot of these guys. When you really study them and and look at their history and and where it's it's profound. You know, to what they've been able to do, what they had been able to do, and to be able to manage all that. And they made a lot of big mistakes, but mm -hmm. they also made a lot of really pretty incredible decisions. So it's not in a vacuum. You know. Well, let's get on to the second okay, one. Second question which is, um, how do you keep calm in the face of mental agitation? Do you have any techniques to help yourself from flying off the handle with temper and agitation, either with someone who else who's flying off the handle, mm -hmm. or I'm going to add in my own pieces to stop yourself from flying off the handle? Yeah. It, was there something about a baseball? He was talking about a baseball team when his okay. kids were hard yeah, on themselves. Yeah, yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. He was talking about both helping someone else who's flying off the mm -hmm. handle and help yourself. Yes. You know, look at road rage. You yeah. fly off the oh, handle. Man. I mean, that's yeah. just a, a classic example. So yep. what are some techniques that can help anybody, either someone else or help yourself? So, uh, you know, I'm a big, <clears throat> I'm a big like awareness guy. <laughs> if you don't know that it's happening, you can't really fix it. And most people trip up because they don't know they're stalling. Um, you need to be able to recognize the stall if you want to be able to correct it. And that's just within yourself. So being ungrounded is sort of like stalling. So what are the signs of being ungrounded? Uh, there's a bunch. One is, I, the biggest one is just being distracted easily. Means you're probably becoming ungrounded as we're going to define it. So let, let's back up, right? So what, is, what does grounded mean? 
to me, it means being fully present uh, in your body and in your 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 mind to your experience of what is happening. That's being grounded. Um, and second, being grounded means just feeling connected, feeling connected. It could be feeling connected to the earth, being connected to the situation, being connected to others. That's to me, that's what being grounded is. So what are the signs of being unground is being distracted easily. And boy, man, do we live in a culture that is just driven to distraction in every way. By the way, read the book, Driven to Distraction. It's a great book by uh, Johan Hari. It's incredible book. Maybe we'll review that sometime. Um, but being distracted easily, spacing out, um, overthinking or ruminating is when you're ungrounding, engaging in a bunch of drama, personal drama, um, anxiety, perpetual worry. These are, these are, are the signs when you're being grounded. Um, I think when you're, when you're desiring material things too much, just possessed, I've got to have this thing is a sign of being ungrounded, which I, I just am speaking from what I see all the time. Being deceived by yourself or by others, right? The little little uh, you know ad ticker pops up and you grab it. That's sort of like you're being gullible. That means you're grounded. An obsessive obsession with you know your image, personal image obsession. The, there are physical symptoms and signs of being ungrounded. Inflammation, poor sleep, fatigue, chronic pain. These are signs of being ungrounded. And you think about it as a world, it's it's like we're, we're, it's an epidemic of ungroundedness. That's the first part. Does that make sense, Carl, to you? I mean, does that like yep. knowing what, well, where the hand, where, when am I ungrounded? I mean, when do you find yourself mo- most ungrounded? I know when I find myself most ungrounded. Mine is, think- is like five o'clock in the afternoon when I'm super tired uh, or six, you know, six o'clock, just got my, my, picked up my daughter, wife comes home and they're talking to me and I'm just like not even hearing them. Yeah. It's, it's really, let's, you're distracted by something else or, the, or you're, there's a little bit of stress and it just doesn't take much to sort of yep. poke the bear. And so you're in a way when you're flying off the handle, in my case, I hate to say it, it's not so much what's going on right now that's causing it. it's, it's everything else. And this was just uh, almost a way it was like a pressure relief valve. It's this is how I express it, and that's not appropriate, but that's what happens sometimes. Yeah. Where it's the wrong time, wrong place. Just it's a, this was it. Just all came to this moment. Yeah. But it's usually when I'm distracted or stressed about something else that's going on, and and yes, um, it just just pressed that last button that needed to be pressed. Yep, for sure. So how do we on so what do we do to ground right and what are the benefits of ground I mean benefits of grounding is it reduces inflammation it uh, elevates your mood improves um, you know immune response it improves blood flow it reduces emotional stress lots of good benefits of grounding so okay what do we do to ground um, there's we could talk about dropping anchor but we'll let me let me go somewhere else with that instead of well, let me hit anchor. you with the one thing I that. do. Okay, once go I've for realized, it. Once Get I've me. realized I've and 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 I kind of look back and go, there was no reason for me to do that. It's just one, like you say, once you acknowledge yeah. that you're there, uh, and we've talked about it many times, is I I do that. I so, take that deep breath through the nose and just it helps, kind of just it like deescalates. It helps yes. me kind of kind of reset the and re recage the gyros a little bit. And although it may not remove everything, it kind of helps me start to 
be a little bit more rational and and look at things more pragmatically yes. than he objectively than emotion breath that's, breath is huge yeah that's the first but, thing that i try to do but key the key is you've always said you've got to realize that it's happening while you're emotional i watch my kids you've got to calm them down until yeah. they until they're calming down it doesn't make a difference you if they want something and they're saying i want this i want this and you can say yes you can have it and they're still screaming because they can't hear you well, I'll tell you, uh, and, and I'll tell you, I use a behavioral activation kind of method, which is an outside in, right? I don't, I, I don't with certainly with adults, you don't have to feel good about it to change your, your physical body, change, do something with your body and then see how your mood follows. So when my, my daughter's like kind of starting to lose it, I will have her just say, okay, listen, you can scream and yell, but you got to put your hand on top of your head. So first thing is cover your crown. So, and I look, I don't fully understand why this works. This was taught to me. I don't understand the neuroscience behind it. There's some reason, but it, it almost always works. So when you're ungrounded, place one hand over the crown of your head. Just do it, Carl. Try it right now. Just do it. That's it. And if it helps, just close your eyes and just do it for, for 20 more seconds. I'm just putting my hand on the top of my head. And I hope you're doing this if you're listening. Just do it. You could be driving and do it. That's it. That's all you have to do. Five more seconds. Okay, stop. See how that works? <laughs> it's, it, I guess it's a little bit harder for me right now because I'm not, I, I guess. You're I'm not, not activated. I'm not but, activated. But you could that still feel a physiological drop, right? A draining of it, the, it, of like a. Yeah, yeah, it's some so so that's just cover your crown. Um, like Carl said, follow your breath. I go five one seven and all through your nose, not through your mouth. That's another just stop mouth breathing. You'll ground yourself a lot quicker. Um, so I inhale for five, hold for one, exhale for seven. So let's try it through the nose. Wow. It's like clicking the autopilot off. And I, that's what I say. It's just, it's just hand fly. Turn an autopilot off, hand fly. I will tell you, I don't care whether you're grounded or not. It's worth doing several times a day. It's just do it once an hour. Every time you check your texts. Sounds corny, but it works. Do do it before you check your email, your text, do the, do the turn, you know, just click the autopilot off five, one, seven, another one, stand like a tree, stand tall. Um, stand with your feet parallel or at least shoulders width apart or sit up straight, keep your head floating above your body, chin tucked and spine straight. And then just rest your, your, your hands at your side or place them, you know, even place them over your abdomen, your, your navel and sink all the body's weight and tension into your, your feet or your butt without collapsing the posture. Just do it for like 10 seconds. Boom. It's amazing what that does. You're changing the physiological posture to change the emotional response. If you're in deep trouble and you're so like, oh my gosh, you're just off the handle, take a cold shower. (laughs) Cold exposure has shown to increase immunity. It reduces fat and it elevates uh, mood because what it does is it, it, for the mood part is it, it triggers dopamine in an adaptive way. And if you're, if you're not accustomed to cold showers, 
uh, at the end of your hot shower, make the wa the warm water like lukewarm for 30 seconds and just let it pound on your chest. And over the course of the next few weeks, keep getting it a little bit colder, a little bit colder. You can train your body to be okay with cold showers. Most of my showers I do are cold. It just doesn't matter. Get it as cold as possible. That that's a that's a really, really good thing to do. Second, let's get a little voodoo is ground to the earth. And they're doing this at they're doing this at major league baseball teams. I saw this recently. Um uh, go you go to a field and all these baseball players are walking around on the field just walking uh lines with their with their shoes off barefoot that's grounding feet to the earth there's some again i don't i don't there is lots of research on this of what it does physiologically and it's it's evidence based i haven't really read up on it but you can you can go and read on it but grounding to the earth is a really good thing so if you're really really upset Go take your shoes off and go walk outside in the yard, especially at night when it's cold and it's wet in the summer. Go just walk around with your feet, bare feet in in the uh, in the grass, or put your hands down, your hands and your feet in the grass, and just just sit there for a couple minutes. It's amazing what it does. Um, it's like it's like a grounding wire in an outlet. Um, if there's a short circuit, the ground wire provides a path for an electrical current to be absorbed into the ground, and don't forget, our bodies are electricity. Your brain is electricity. That's what we measure when you're looking at ECGs. Your heart is electricity. We have electricity in our body. So you can ground yourself to the earth just like you do with an electrical outlet. Well, That's, I know that yeah. we're going to go, we can go much further down this hole. I guess I just want to bring it back just so that we make sure that we answer the 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 question because I kind of took us off track by talking about yeah. us. How about yeah. helping someone else? We talked about putting the yeah. hand on the forehead. What are the things yeah. can you teach can them to do? Else? Everything I just said. <laughs> That's how you help them to do it. So, well, getting in a cold shower is kind of hard <laughs> at a baseball game, as an example. Well, no. Well, you don't you don't train. Look, you don't train <laughs> in the environment. You train in a neutral environment. But how do you so, help someone that's in the moment? You, you, you have them put their hand. So here's what I'll say. Don't worry about this idea that I have to feel better first to be able to do something is total nonsense. So I will tell, and I, I tell my clients I've, I've coached baseball players is I, I really don't care what, how you feel about it. I don't really care what you think. Just change what you're doing with your body. So you can be freaking out and be upset. You can't control your thoughts. I'm not going to say, well, let's calm down first. And then I'm going to show like the, you can't calm your thoughts down. That thought control isn't a real thing, but what you can do is change what you do with your body. And when you change what you do with your body, the body talks to the brain instead of just the brain talking to the body, the body talks back to the brain. So if you're ungrounded or you're child is ungrounded or your friend is ungrounded, whoever you're with is ungrounded, help them with, okay, that's fine. You can be upset, but put your hand on the top of your head and put your other hand over your abdomen while you tell me how awful this is. And I guarantee you that they'll be talking and they'll be upset, but it will start to calm down. So you're changing the physiology and then the brain starts to change in response to that. It's it's called outside in versus inside out. Inside out is I got to change how I feel first before I change my behavior. 
actually you don't change your behavior and then see how it changes how you feel internally that's what i would suggest is just do some of those techniques regardless of what's going on in your brain regardless of how emotionally activated you are i mean when people say just relax like when you're in a, think about this when you're in an argument or you're upset and somebody tells you to relax how does that make you feel what does that do to you makes if you want to punch the wall it elevates I mean, it makes it of worse. course it makes it you're worse so, irritated. <laughs> you're already irritated so i will never tell somebody just relax what i will might say is relax your body not your mind you can't change your mind you can't stop your thoughts thoughts but you can actually change the way that you you we've talked about muscle uh metabolism and and muscle tension and all that stuff before so but uh, that's the the number one thing i would say is don't worry about what your mind is doing when you're ungrounded change physiologically how you're approaching it and see how the mind actually rea reacts to that well i got one last question for you You mentioned a book uh mm. driven to distraction yes i went and looked real quick who's the author again uh uh johan hari the reason is I it, ask is I went and looked and I, I know it's not this one, the road to love novels. No, no, not that one. Um, <laughs> there's another uh, one here that's, uh, by no, maybe um, it's no, Edward it's Hallowell. No, Ed Hallowell. Oh, okay. Hold on. I'm getting confused. No, there's a, um, I just don't want people to go looking for it in the camp. Look it. up Johan Hari. Uh, I had, um, driven to distraction, recognizing and coping with attention deficit disorders. The one I, found. Oh, the, I'm sorry that that's Ed Hallowell. That's an ADHD book. Yeah. No, it, that's actually a great book too. No, there's another one. Um, Stolen we'll Focus. You. I'm sorry. It's called Stolen Focus. I just looked it up. Yeah, yep, that's his amazing book by Johan Hari, H-A-R-I, called Stolen Focus. That's the impact. If you want to read a great book, that's he looks at all the science and it just it came out, I think, last year. Um, read that book. He also read another a really good book called Lost Connections on um mental health his own mental health struggles with with depression and anxiety but yeah uh stolen focus is an uh, incredible book if you want to kind of check out the impact of our our lack of ability to focus because of See, distractions i just want you to know i do yeah. actually listen to what you say yeah <laughs> sometimes <laughs> oh my god so from this what would be the the big takeaway for today and we'll deal more with the second question than the first one you cover or, it. You you take it today. What's the big no, takeaway? I, I, to me, I. What did you take away from it? Forget what I took away. What did you take oh, away? Geez. I always believe that it's just it's recognizing what's going on and getting to a point where you have some clarity of thought. Yeah. Because once you can think clearly, your decisions, your your responses, are, are better. Because they're not coming from a point of emotion. And sometimes how often have we said things that as soon as we said them, we go, I really didn't mean that. Yes. Didn't mean to say that. Yep. It came out because it was a moment of anger, a moment of frustration, whatever. And it's because I wasn't thinking clearly. It was, I was, it was an emotional response, not a rational one. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to, you just, when you see yourself reaching that point and I have, it's something I work on every day and and more often than not, I hate to say it, I fail. But every day I get up and I keep telling myself, today I'm going to be better than I was yesterday and not as good as tomorrow. Yeah. That's the way I try to always treat things, even though it's 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 a like you said, growth. It's it you'll never stop. And it's not something that if you fix it today, that you'll never have to worry about it tomorrow because 
Totally. You know, it, it can happen again and again, and you always have to be on guard for it. Um, but and don't be so hard on yourself, you know, like you're going to have days where it's just messy and you just can't, you know, you, you, you can barely keep it together. I, I'm not, don't be afraid of being sloppy. You know, it's life is sloppy. It's messy. And, and it's just, it's not about just, you know, oh, I, I'm not perfect. And our listeners are perfectionistic, the most perfectionistic crowd in the world. And so stop with the perfectionism. It's, 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 it, you're holding yourself to a stupid standard. Like just, just do the best you can and implement some of these tools and see how that changes. See how that changes the outcome. Absolutely. As always, we thank all of our listeners and the comments. And as you can see, we, we discuss them and uh, usually they end up turning into an entire episode yep. in and of themselves. So please keep them coming. We appreciate them. It allows us to be able to talk about the things that are important to you. So any that you have, please send them. And we'll take negative ones too. If you have criticisms, we prefer constructive criticisms rather than destructive. But if there's something that you disagree with, we'd love to hear that too. But just please keep sending in the comments. Podcast at lifteffect.com. Please give us a like, a thumbs up, a share. Tell your friends. You'll hear us say it on every episode because this is how the word gets out. We really appreciate you being there because without you, there was there's no reason for us. So thank you. We hope you have a great day. And until next week, Matt. Adios. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Lift Effect Podcast. If you want to dive deeper into this episode and every episode, go to our website, lifteffect.com forward slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show, we would love it if you'd follow us on Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your support. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, all with the ID Matthew McNeil. This show is brought to you by Lift Effect, a clinical mental health and consulting company that assists air carriers, corporate flight departments, pilot unions, and commercial pilots by providing comprehensive psychotherapy and mental skills coaching services to pilots with mental health and mental performance related issues. Visit lifteffect.com, that's L-I-F-T-A-F-F-E-C-T.com to book your free consultation. And finally, this podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of counseling, psychotherapy, medicine, or any other healthcare service, including the giving of medical advice. No therapeutic or provider-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional psychological advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining advice for any psychological or medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Lift Effect podcast.